We're studying the book of Acts, verse by verse, and we're in chapter 16. And it came also, and he came also to Derby. This is Acts 16, verse 1. And to Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But the father was a Greek, and he was well spoken um, of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, that is, Timothy, and so he took him, circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. And they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they'd come to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A certain man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, immediately we, underlined, sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I'm going to preach this or tease this under the title, What Happens When Doors Close, or The Theology of the Closed Door. In Los Angeles, there is a unique church. It's called the Church of the Open Door. And it has a unique ministry because it crosses over all kinds of racial and ethnic lines. And it's so named because of that. A church that gives a great opportunity to anybody, regardless of the color of skin and the size of the bankroll. It's a beautiful church. But the first church of the open door was not in Los Angeles. The first church of the open door was in Philadelphia. And that's not the Philadelphia that's on the East Coast. It's the Philadelphia that's in Asia. It's in modern-day Turkey. And I want you to read about it. You'll turn, if you will, to the third chapter of the book of Revelation. And I want to read about the first church of the open door. And don't lose your place there from Acts 16 because it all fits together. You'll see in just a minute. The... Um, first three chapters of the book of Revelation are these letters, these postcards that Jesus sent to the churches to give them some uh, help and instruction. In fact, these are the last things that Jesus said to the church. In verse 7 of chapter 3 it says, And to the, church, to the angel, that is the pastor of the church in Philadelphia, write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens, and no one will shut, and who shuts, and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door, which no man can shut, because you have a little power, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. I don't want you to miss what is said in verse 7. He says, he claims, I am the one who opens doors that no one will shut. 
And I am the one who shuts doors that no one opens. I've placed before you, said Jesus to the church at Philadelphia, a door that no one can shut, an open door. That is, I give you an, uh, an opportunity unlimited, stretching out before you, you church, I stretch out before you limitless opportunity, an open door that no one can shut. There's some of you tonight who live in the realm of the open door. I mean, before you stretches unlimited, limitless opportunity. Just to hear Carrie sing, I was thinking, there's a young lady that I met three years ago, so shy, seemed to be so timid. And I believe that if there's ever one person who has limitless potential, unlimited opportunity, stretching out before some of you are unlimited opportunities. You know Yogi Berra, don't you? The uh, coach of the New York Yankees, once played catcher for the Yankees, one of the greatest catchers ever to play the game. He's known for these uh, profound statements he makes. He's the guy who said, it ain't over till it's over. Now that's profound. It ain't over till it's over. But this spring, in spring training, somebody was talking to Yogi Berra about one of the rookies that had come to camp, and he said, his future is ahead of him. Now I want you to know that that is profound. His future is ahead of him. I don't know uh, anybody whose future isn't ahead of him. Yeah, I think I do. There are some people tonight who feel that the future is behind you. And that's probably true. And the people who live in the realm of the open door are the envy of those who live in the realm of the closed door. And the people who live in the realm of the closed door wrestle tonight with the problem. I came to church this afternoon after having visited one of our members out in the hospital. She's the lady we've been praying for. We've prayed for often. She has lupus. And every time there's just a little problem, she, uh, she gets ill. She's been in the hospital, somebody told me, 26 times this year. She's lost her job. She's trying to make, make ends meet on $282 a month. And Friday night, she told me tonight, this afternoon with tears, she just flipped out because the only thing she owns in the world is a 72 Impala, and it caught fire and burned up. And if there's anybody who is the epitome of Murphy's Law, Nona Harbin is the example of, of Murphy's Law. If anything bad is going to happen, it'll happen to her. It will happen. And she said this to me. She said, I know that God doesn't, you know, gives me the little uh, thing we often say, put on us more than we can bear, she said. And she said, I know that I, I'm not asking that I be exempt from hardship in life. All I'm asking, and she was sobbing, is that God would give me just a little breathing room. There's some people who live in the realm of the closed door, and everything seems to be closing to them. And some of them do not understand that Christ is the same one who opens doors. This same Christ closes them. And so when doors close to some people, they misinterpret what's happening to them. 
when closed, when they live in the realm of the closed door and the, un, and the limited opportunity, they feel, well, surely this is not of God. Or they feel that if it is of God, God is surely not a God of grace. And we misinterpret because all of us come to those times in life where the doors are closed on the opportunities. And we all experience those wildernesses and those barren times. Some of us are there now. And we don't really understand that sometimes when the door closes, it is the, it is the greatest opportunity that has ever come in life. Vance Havener has a little book called It Is Toward Evening, and he tells in this little book about a certain county in, 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 in Alabama, and they were, their main crop was cotton. They picked cotton, and one day the boll weevil came to that little county in Alabama, wiped them out, and they, they were just uh, devastated. And now if you go to this town, the county seat of this little county in Alabama, there's this great big monument to the boll weevil. I mean, it's right in downtown uh, Enterprise, Alabama. And the reason being because when they lost everything when the boll weevil came, they, they, they turned to, to peanuts as a crop. They thought, why don't we, somebody said, why don't we grow peanuts? And they started growing peanuts and they found to their amazement they could make more money and have a better crop growing peanuts. This is what Vance Havner says about listening to what he said. Some of us could rear monuments to other plagues that once beset us to worse disasters than boll weevils that frighten us into thinking that we were ruined. But adversity taught us to find a better way. We developed fresh resources that led us to cultivate fields we'd never tended before. We got out of the rut of just... In cotton year after year. Then God sends the boll weevil. He jolts us out of our groove and we must find new ways to live. Financial reverses, great, great bereavement, physical infirmity, loss of position. How many have been driven by trouble to be a better husbandman and to bring forth far finer fruit from their souls? The best thing that could ever happen to some of us was the coming of our boll weevil. Without that, we might still have been a cotton sharecropper. Let it be remembered that the precious verse we all like to quote about all things working together for good to those who love God and are the called according to His purpose goes right on to tell us what that purpose is. We have been predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. If, we're, if we are the called according to His purpose, that purpose is that we might become like Jesus. Anything that happens to us can be made to work to that end. If some hard blow deprives us of what has hereto been our mainstay, it is only that we might find a better thing to take its place. Hear this. If the boll weevil has struck your cotton crop, do not despair. The day may come when you'll put up a monument to the bane that became a blessing. I want you to see that tonight as we go through God's Word. Now we're going to do it in a hurry. Have you ever seen a church entitled the Church of the Closed Door? And have you ever heard anybody stand to give this testimony? God closed every door in my life. We like to keep that secret, don't we? You know why? Because most of us are like the Apostle Paul. We think that Christ is the Christ who opens doors. And that's all He's about. I want to show you how different we, that is. He is. If you have your New Testament, we're going to start in chapter 14, beginning at verse 27. And we'll catch that verse and we'll hurry. 
I want you to watch how the doors begin to open for the Apostle Paul. Verse 27, And when they had arrived and gathered the church together, that is, Paul and Barnabas are returning from their first missionary journey, and they gather the church together, and they're going to make a report. And they begin to report all the things that God had done with them and how He'd opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And now we're in chapter 15. And we've been studying the last two Sunday nights. We talked about this doctrinal controversy that developed in the church in Jerusalem. And that controversy was settled. And the great doctrine of salvation by grace was established. And that door was opened. And then if you'll turn to verse 36 through 40 you're going to see that a controversy developed between the two missionaries, between Paul and Silas, Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas wants to carry, wants to take Mark with him on this second journey. The apostle Paul refuses to go along with that. And so that controversy is settled without any rift in the church and the door is opening to them. And if you look in verse 40 of chapter 15, verses 40 and 41... They have, a, they have a, uh, a practical door is open to them because the church joins together to support the missionary journey of Paul and Silas and they give them that kind of support. And so now we're in the latter part of chapter 15. As a matter of fact, we're at verse 41 and they're going out, to strengthening, they're, they're going out and they're strengthening the churches. The word therefore strengthen is the word that means to build muscles, to build solid foundation. And the success is phenomenal as they begin their work. And in chapter 16, verse 1, they come to find this new man to join them. His name is Timothy. Now perhaps the, the Apostle Paul and Silas have been praying for someone to assist them in their missionary work. And they find just the right man, this young man Timothy. And he saw in this young man qualities of life that would just fit into what they needed on this second missionary journey. Everything was just falling into place. Let me say parenthetically to some of you tonight who may be uh, from broken homes, some young person. You may come from some broken home, some divided home, and you may be wondering if really God can use you in the ministry. Or I may be speaking tonight to some parents who who have uh, experienced brokenness in marriage, and you're wondering, can, have, I, have I botched it? Have I blown it? Well, my children, can God use my children? You can look at Timothy and find the answer to that. For Timothy comes from a family. His, his father is a Greek, an unbeliever. And his mother was a Jew who was converted to faith. And yet somehow God in His providential way with His hand upon that young man's life, developed through all of, this, all of these experiences, through the teaching of his mother, this profound and deep faith in God that enabled him to be an effective young minister where Paul sent him. And so everything is fitting into place. Verses 4 and 5, they go out delivering their decrees, they're preaching their messages, and every, every message is being accepted, and the success is phenomenal. And then, boom, the door closes. The door shuts. It must be kind of like going out fishing. You know, I don't, I'm not a fisherman, but I'm told, you know, that by some of these uh, veterans around here, that sometimes you can get into these school of fish, 
and you're just catching them so fast that you can't even take time to string them. You know, you're just snapping them up one after another. Guy's telling me he got in a school of fish not long ago, and he said we would just throw them in the bottom of the boat and just casting out there and getting another one. I've never been in a school. I don't even know how to describe it. And after a while, you know, it just stops just like it started. Maybe I can use this illustration. Maybe you're playing a basketball game and all of a sudden you can't hit a lick. It's just like there's a lid on that, on that goal and everything you throw up comes back. Or it may be like the guy who's out playing for the club championship. The first nine, he's just rolling them in. Every putt he hits, he makes. He gets on that back nine, and every putt he hits, he misses. I mean, it rims the cup. It goes by. All of a sudden, no explanation for it. The door closes. The fish stop biting, and the balls start, stop falling, and the putts no longer are made. Look at what happens. The door is closed. In verse 6 it says, And they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word. Weren't there unbelievers in Galatia and Phrygia? Yes, they were. They were there by the thousands. And weren't they ready to respond to the gospel? They were by the thousands. But the Scripture says that the Holy Spirit forbid them. The door was closed. That word in the Greek means is the word clip. They just got their feet clipped out from under them. Hey, it's hard to live with when you go day after day with, a negative, with negative guidance. But I want you to know that the, that the answer no is just as much an answer to prayer as the answer yes. The door was closed. The theology of the, un, of the closed door is so unpalatable to us, we, don't, we can hardly swallow that because we're so success-oriented. Success Unlimited are the names of our books. We don't understand when doors are closed, especially when God closes them. And verse 7 says that they tried to go into Bithynia and the, in the uh, construction is in the imperfect tense. It means that they tried again and again to go into Bithynia. Couldn't. What are some closed doors in your life? I've written some of them down. See if any of them um, relates to you. Lingering illness. Financial reversals. You can't seem to get your head above the water. A strange cooling of enthusiasm. Uh, failure. Discouragement. Being involved in things that require all your attention. Closed doors. And verse 8 says that they came down to Troas. And if you have a map in the back of your Bible, you'll see that Troas is on the extreme coast of the Aegean Sea. And there they come. Now what are they going to witness to now? Fish? And they've marched across what is now modern-day Turkey. And they've come across Asia Minor. And they've sought to preach the gospel. And God has closed the door. And now they've come to the Aegean Sea. And that's the last place. That's the end. And I can see Paul and Silas in their sleeping bags lying on the shore. That first night they had arrived there. And Paul says to Silas, are you awake, Silas? And he says, yeah, I'm awake. And Paul says, what now? And Silas says, I don't know. Come to the end. There's no door open. 
And in the night of that man's despair, it always happens. God always comes to us when we get into the dark where there is no light. In fact, someone said that the things of God can best be seen when all the lights have gone out. And when they were in the dark of their despair, this vision came. And a man came to say, this man from Macedonia. You see, the apostle's heart was on Asia, but God's heart was on Europe and the rest of the world as well as Asia. As a matter of fact, God had you in mind. God remembered Tidwell and Adcox and Clark. And so he sent this vision to the Apostle Paul. He said, come over here and help us. Macedonia was on the other side of the sea. And I can just see the Apostle Paul jumping out of it, up out of his sleeping bag, shaking Silas. Did you see that? That's our answer. That's why all the doors were closed. That's why, the, why, that's why these dead-end streets, God wants us on the other side of the agency. That's the door He's opening. Let me, let me say quickly what constitutes a call. Some of our young people are responding to the call of God. Some are feeling that call upon their life. I think there have been six or eight surrender to full-time Christian vocational service in the last three or four weeks. What constitutes a call? Not need. I used to think that's why I, I dropped out of the pastoral ministry one time. I, I felt like that the need of the Northwest was the call of God to my life. And I didn't feel it was fair for me to pastor a comfortable church in West Texas when there were so many needs in the Northwest. Need does not constitute a call because there was need all through these regions of Bithynia and Galatia. What constitutes a call, now listen to this, because God may be speaking to some of you, is that inner movement of God inside of your heart, down deep inside of your life that says to you, where God says to you, I want you here, I want you there. That's when God, that's when God's calling. And the Apostle Paul recognized that the closed door to Asia was God opening the door to Europe, calling Him there. Let me give you the application and I'm through. Two things I see in the application of this. Number one, Before the Lord can turn us, He often has to stop us. Before the Lord can turn us, He often has to stop us. Now there may be, this may be what is happening in your life. It may be that God is just bringing to a screeching halt where you've been going in order to send you, turned, turn you and send you in another direction. Second application. When a good door closes, a better one always opens. 
I'm here to tell you tonight that I know that from my own experience. Don't you, Larry? When a good door closes, a better one always opens. And you can be assured of this, that if God is closing the door to your life, you get ready because He's got something great, something better for you. For the Bible says, this is His promise, that He, that no good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. No good thing. I think I shared this with you. Let me do it once more, then I'll quit. It's a unique story. It happened out in California in this busy section of, of the city. This guy had a little shop. And he sold um, dry goods and, and, and uh, staple items, a few groceries, kind of like you get at the Kmart store. And an and urban renewal came and just took off the whole city block beside him. And, and on the other side of him, took off the whole city block of blight and, 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 and urban renewal money was available. And so they built this humongous uh, Kmart store, or Kmart type, on one side of him. Discount, so you could go in there and buy all of the things he sold at discount, huge volumes of them. And on the other side of him, this gigantic supermarket went in, and you could go in there and buy all the groceries, you know, much cheaper than he could sell them. I mean, he could buy them, and he's just—I mean, this is it for him. And he and his wife got together, and they thought. And they got all their savings out of the savings. And they went down and bought this huge sign. And they brought it back and put it up in front of their store. It said three words. Main entrance here. And uh, everybody who came to the gigantic Kmart type and the gigantic supermarket came right through their front door to get there. And what was a closed door became the greatest opportunity of their life. Now I'm one to believe that nothing ever happens by chance. I don't believe there's any such thing as luck. I believe that if you're on your back tonight with problems and you it's because God wants you to have no other way to look but up. And I believe if all the doors that you've dreamed of being open are closed, it's because God is moving you in a better direction. He has some great plan for you. That's the way my God is. That's what Christ is. He's the one who closes doors and opens them. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're grateful to know that you're in control of our life. We're thankful to be able to believe that every lost opportunity is a greater blessing, chance. And so we erect tonight a monument to our bold weevil and rejoice 
failure, that what we've called failure, tragedy, is just something God, gracious God, is getting prepared to do for us. Forgive us because we've lacked faith to trust and believe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now we have three invitations. Look here quickly. The first invitation tonight is for you to come and trust your life and heart to Jesus Christ. I've seen it again and again. Things happen like Todd and Ron going their way. God just saying, I want you young men. I'm not going to give up on you. And frustrating and heartbreaking things will happen till you give your heart and life to Jesus. He's got too much invested to let you get away. He wants to save you. He wants to make you a child of God. If you come and trust Jesus tonight, you'll be saved. Second invitation is for you to come and place your life in the church. If the Holy Spirit knew any better way to do His work in the world than through the church, He'd have told us, come and place your life with us. Or maybe as a Christian, you're not walking with God. You've interpreted these closed doors in your life to be something to be bitter about and angry. You want to trust the Lord to walk through the open door that He's made available. Commit your life to Him, fresh and anew. Maybe God is calling you to be a preacher, a minister of music, an educational director, whatever. We're going to stand to sing, I've decided to follow Jesus. We invite you to come. It's easier when you come on the first verse. Let's do it right now, okay?